Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, my guest is Larry Fessenden, an American actor, producer, writer, director, film editor, and cinematographer. He is also the founder of the New York-based independent production company, Glass Eye Picks. His writing directing credits include No Telling, Habit, and The Last Winter. I had Larry on the show to discuss his latest film, Dashcam, which will be available on demand on Tuesday, October 19th. Thank you to Bookmans for sponsoring the show, and thank you to Fort Worth for letting me use the song at the end. I've been wanting to talk to you all year, ever since I had the chance to see Dementor. And then I wanted to talk to you after I saw Jacob's Wife. And then uh, one of the first people I ever interviewed, Philip Jalot, he has a new movie coming out in the spine of the night. So it's like every time, every project I'm excited about, you seem to be the center of this year. And then I'm really uh, excited to talk to you about Dashcam also. This has been a, I mean, you've had a lot of good years, but this one's been a hell of a year for you, man. Well, I'm hardly the center of Spine of Night, but it is a great project. Uh, and I have a, a fun little role where I play a lunatic and I get to scream and yell. And it was during COVID, so I was literally in my closet in upstate yelling and screaming like an old prophet gone mad. It was fun. So I had a fun year uh, doing acting, which uh, I've been able to do some stuff, you know, during COVID, which was pretty great and lucky and dash cam was a perfect example because it was kind of a very furtive very low budget movie it was really fun to be able to work during the the the, the pandemic whatever it's I, called i i can't imagine that there's somebody who has had more screen time with <laughs> less amount of actual time that you probably spent filming because with Dashcam, your shadow is all over this film. But if you think about it, it's it's over a very, the actual film that's being shown of you, the actual action of you is really just a couple of seconds, but you're constantly in this film. Well, it's funny you mention that. That's happened to me in another movie. Well, I've had it a couple times. Uh, I was in a, an old film called Session 9. And love it. One of my, love it. Yeah, great. The film. whole movie, they talk about my character. Craig McManus that I was going to show up and you know I I actually shot uh, a few days on that because of the schedule but as you say my screen time is very brief I get in I come in and I get murdered but the whole movie they're saying Craig McManus is coming so uh, that's really the key to uh, selecting a role that they have to talk about it during the movie uh, so anyway just they're, they're- constantly uh, building up to you and, and yeah, Dementor's yeah. the same way where you're you have more screen time in that for sure but which, it's it, Dementor your your presence is throughout the film but you're actually it's a far not to the extreme that Dashcam is but it's yeah, another yeah. example of that I think oh uh, that's true uh yeah you're right and then I made a movie I can't even remember what it's called though a friend of mine made it but uh the trick there was that he just needed my severed head so I didn't show up at all, and yet I'm in the movie. <laughs> Just a rubber head that I had lying around, he took. So. so then what is that process like for you then? Um, what makes you select these? Because it's, uh, it's, it's odd because it's um, these films that you did, Jacob's Wife this year specifically, and um, 
you know, dash cam, there's these things about them that I don't think I would have, I think I would have appreciated them as a 20 year old man. But now that I'm in my mid forties, you know, quickly approaching 50, something like Jacob's wife hits me in a way of honesty that I don't think I would have appreciated at a younger age where there's this element of, if you've ever been in a long-term relationship, I think we've all kind of taken advantage of our partner to come to some degree or another. And I felt like I related to you a lot more than I probably would have in previous years. And in a way that is kind of uh, uncomfortable to look at yourself in the mirror, if that makes sense. Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, I think I've always tried to bring uh, any of the projects I've gotten involved in horror projects. I've sort of found, I wanted to respect the genre and show that it has a, a great deal of nuance or potential for nuance. And so I've always chosen uh, stories and roles uh, that, that allowed for that a little contemplation while you're still enjoying the scares and the vampires or whatever other mythologies you're getting into. So Jacob's wife is a perfect example. And it's nice to think that it can work for an older audience. I mean, you're not old, but you know, older. Um, but even my film habit, I made that I was 33. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a story that uh, I was trying to address, you know, personal failings of the main character and how he's stuck in a rut um and making excuses for his life and in this case he's saying his vampire his girlfriend's a vampire well actually he's got a lot of personal problems and drinking problems and um so you know I, it's just something that appeals to me because i love the genre so much and i always take it seriously i think frankenstein's the great metaphor for being an outsider being yep. uh, tormented being and then you know that means it can be a movie about uh, being gay it can be or trans nowadays we're talking about that and uh, you know, just basically feeling like an outsider, an immigrant, whatever. In other words, these stories have great uh, potential to speak to uh, the outsider in all of us and all the, all the great monster stories, werewolves and vampires. So Jacob's wife took the vampire story and, and found a way to talk about marriage. That was fun. And you happen to infuse it with these two your relationship with barbara clearly comes through in real life on screen where i think that if this would have been two actors that didn't know each other didn't have just deep respect for each other it wouldn't have worked as well because you can feel a bond there that i don't think that you can necessarily fake i mean i guess that is the job to fake it but it feels well, so honest yeah i appreciate that of course and it is true and i think barbara is just such a wonderful open person that there was uh the opportunity for me to step in and I have that tendency. I like candor. And, and so we were both game to get there quickly, you know, and in a very specific way, you know, when you have to do a sex scene, it's so important to put the ego aside and, and both of you work together towards making that just a, a fun and uncomfortable and comfortable experience uh, anyway. And obviously the whole relationship. I mean, I do think that's the job of the actor to quickly uh, get there. Even if I didn't know Barbara, I feel like she's an open person and that's really the job. It's why acting is, it's difficult. You have to put your ego aside. You're not in competition. You're in collaboration with whoever your partner is in the story. And uh, you know, that's what makes a, an adventure. But it, And it might be the, the sex scene. It's kind of like a, moment of violence or anything like that, that might in your mind, you would think that would be the thing that sticks with you. 
But for me, that film is completely encapsulated by the two of you brushing your teeth next to each other. That's what, that's what wraps up that movie for me and what makes it work, really. Well, of course, these are the things that make movies special is those strange, memorable images. And it's up to the director to choose to focus on that. And that's what I think makes films uh, special. I always have to sit here and complain about TV and so on. <laughs> Film is a, is a concise medium. You only have 100 minutes to tell your story and you need those images. You know, I always reference the movie Fargo. I know it's not genre, but, you know, just some it, of the... the it's use pretty of, close. It starts with genre stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, the use of the wide shot, the snow, there's so many things that just make that uh, so, so specific and, and memorable. And I'd like to think that Jacob's wife also... You know, I just like that you're citing this rather mundane image, but it just the director took the care to get that. And well, those are the it, it's and speaking to what you're saying about the differences between film and television, I can think about almost any film I've seen since, you know, Val Kilmer was trending on Twitter the other day. And yeah. so I just kind of referenced that quickly. And, you know, you immediately think, oh, shit, what happened to Val Kilmer? Did he pass away or something? And seems to be okay. But I just thought, okay, when did I first discover him? And it's, I'm 45. So it was when I was nine years old, walked down to a movie theater, and I saw Real Genius in 1985. Mm -hmm. I have seen dozens, if not hundreds of movies this year streaming online. And I have no memory. I can't separate them in my mind. They all lump together. But when you actually take the time to get out of your house, walk somewhere, or drive somewhere, park, and do those things, and you shut up for an hour and a half, I think it means something. And that's... Oh, I, I, I really agree. And, you know, not to thank God we're able to watch movies on bigger TVs now at home and that, you yeah. know, it's a blessing. But uh, even the streaming element, to me, when you put the Blu-ray in... Uh, or God forbid the VHS, whatever it was, that ritual, those, those tactile rituals really do matter to the experience. And you're right. Most of my favorite movies, I can tell you what theater I saw them in. And that means I'm recalling an entire sense memory. Uh, uh, but, but I would even say that putting in the disc has some semblance of that. Whereas when you're streaming, it all just becomes a blur. Now, you know, naturally we, our kids are growing up with streaming and that's going to be their memory. And, They'll have something to, they'll reminisce about that when there's some new, uh, when they're know, able to just download it directly into their mind and absorb the cliff notes of it, I guess. Yeah. It reminds me of this whole idea that you can listen to uh, books on tape in, in double time. Like, you know, I really got, I got to get through Moby Dick this weekend. You know, it's just like this whole denial of the actual experience of, of engaging with art or whatever. It's just so, uh, it's terrible trend in human human civilization <laughs> no i and, and that's and it's the same the same experience happens for me also if i the difference between picking up a book and listening to a book on tape because i i do love listening to a book on tape i love listening i mean i'm yeah i'm old enough that i still call it a book on tape um but i actually like listening to things on audible but if I take the time to actually pick up a book and read it, hold it in my hand, I have to go back and reread a chapter or something. If I lose my train of thought for a minute while I'm reading anything like that, it just, it might take longer, but the impact of it just carries so much more weight to me and it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, of course. And although the funny thing about uh, books on tape is it's where you listen to it has its mm. own printing. So, I mean, I really, uh, I always think about, imprinting and how uh 
you know, it's like you say, when you go to the theater, that's the memory you have. It's part of uh, how you uh, recall that, that work. And could you, I, I, and I apologize for bringing this stuff up, but um, cause I'm sure it's coming up over and over again, but I assume that the seventies paranoid thrillers probably mean a lot to you in the same way they mean a lot to me, you know, like blowout and, um, parallax view and all these other films just come to mind uh, three days of the condor all those and oh, dash cam is p- playing with that in a modern way though and something that's in it, this is actually the perfect time for the paranoid thriller to come back because at the time they were all a reflection on either vietnam or nixon or the assassination of multiple political figures at the time and so now we're in a very similar state of political turmoil and uncertainty in the world as a whole. And it feels like this is a perfect time for the reintroduction of the paranoid thriller right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. And it, it's both sad and essential that these, you know, that we have cinema and these stories to be able to really reflect our anxieties. I always say that about the horror genre in general is that that's its purpose. And you can really track what, what's on people's minds by the trends in horror obviously after the atomic bomb we had godzilla and the giant creatures and the giant ants and and uh not that dash cam is the most essential film ever but yes i think it, it is speaking to us now we're we're in a crisis of of narratives and truths you know we uh, nobody knows what the truth is anymore it's all subjective and which uh, media source you get your information from. And that really is a crisis. So I think that uh, I'm sure that's what Christian was sort of, well, we're all in the thick of it. So I think that's where this movie comes out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the way that you're able to, it's just far enough off of topic that it really does apply so that you don't, filter it through, oh, this is telling this specific story. It's more of a general story about what's going on right now. And it becomes more universal because you can apply it to multiple things that are happening to society as a whole right now. Um, It it could be something as simple as political corruption to media, as you were saying, and it's just all these different layers that work there. And is it the most essential film? No, but it's very of its time right now. And I think that it's actually... um, to have made this during COVID was just such a brilliant stroke where it's this thing that's not going to, you could watch this in five, 10 years from now, and it's not going to feel dated where everybody's wearing a mask the entire time or something along those lines. It feels like it would have been told this way five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's, it's a really nicely, I mean, I haven't seen the final piece. I should say that. Um, It's good. (laughs) It's with, uh, being an actor, you just go do your job and then you hope for the best. And I guess I'll watch it when the public gets to watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I knew when he proposed the whole thing that it was going to have that. Uh, well, it just felt a, a little bit haunted. It felt like of its time. But hopefully, as you say, I mean, unfortunately, paranoia is going to be relevant in 20 years if we're all <laughs> even still here. Certainly, I, I've just been watching. Well, you know what's interesting? I've been watching film noir with the misses, and uh, and those movies also have resonance. Um, you know, sort of a bleak view of humanity, and we're all out to, for ourselves. And and also, the filmmaking in those movies is very creative because often they were considered B or C movies, and uh, and so the in a weird way that gave the freedom. The same thing we associate with horror B 
being an expressive medium while film noir was also um, anything that isn't striving for that mainstream vibe is going to uh, have some wonderful surprises, creative surprises. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. Normally, when I do these spots talking about Bookman's, I'll mention something that I'm going down there to purchase, uh, be it a movie or a book or even a puzzle or you know houseware of some kind, something like that that I'm looking for. Uh, but today, um, went down to Bookman's to trade in a sound bar, a speaker bar. I was sent one to review, and after I spent a couple days using it, um, I already have two sound bars in the house, uh, two speaker bars. And so this is something that I just don't need an extra one. So I'm going to go ahead and return this, brought it down earlier. I was able to get some trade and now I'll be able to turn this, what would have just been more clutter in my garage. I'm able to turn this into a couple of movies, books, and a puzzle for my wife, something that will actually be used as opposed to just taking up extra space. And that's something that most of us have some clutter in our home, something that um, isn't going to get used again, something that's just taking up space and why not take in those things that you're not using, trade them in and get something you'll appreciate because there's somebody else that that thing that's junk in your garage, that's something that could be exactly what they're looking for. So yeah, recycle something and get yourself something new at the same time. And as always, Bookman's has your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Very similar with, uh, with film noir or with horror genre, any of these sort of, uh, like you're saying, the BC films, you can have an artist who has a very clear point of view. And as long as they check a couple of boxes, they can do whatever the hell they want. Nobody's going to really pay attention to it because it's not, you know, it's this, we can make money off this. We can make a specific kind of poster for it. And it could be very cynical, but they're going to let you get away with murder. And, And that's why I think genre fans can be very forgiving of a lot of things, but we're also, very open to alternative and weird and strange points of view, unlike a lot of other audiences, I think. Well, this is really the essence. I mean, I, I would go so far as to say, yeah, the genre is a, is a place for the artist to still work. And, uh, you know, the funny thing though, is that in this current society, everything gets co-opted and it's sort of nerve wracking sometimes to realize that even our, like, well, I don't want to get specific because I still love these institutions, but I get emails now every day from certain R uh, things. And I'm like, okay, guys, I understand, uh, you know, you're trying to sell your wares, but remember this was all, you know, kind of on the down low and you'd sneak off to the drive-in or the CD theater in New York City to watch horror movies. So now it's all just, you know, and they're just selling shoes like everyone else. So, there's always that hesitation, uh, letting horror get too mainstream. Of course, then you had The Omen and The Exorcist. Those movies were made by Hollywood, and they were startling at the time. So it's it's always a back and forth. But there's something cookie cutter about uh, the Blumhouse movies, even though there's always a surprise in there. And then it's it's all seems worth it. But there's just um, there's a whole. Uh, machine out there just churning out horror for the horror fans you you can feel the machine in the background it's the same way but it's 
I guess it's no different than the Corman machine was, uh, you know, back in <laughs> well, the that was very ragtag, which gave it a certain charm. But you could feel that the house style of Corman that just had to do these couple of things. But in Bloomhouse, yes, there's more money and they can do those things. And maybe you could even say Not it's a little bit more. <laughs> he doesn't pay up front. I don't know. I hope you can get cuts of his movies because I think he does. I mean, I was in a, a Bloomhouse movie. It wasn't a horror movie, actually. It was a Western. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I love that one, by the way. That's a, that, uh, it's, God, I, he's one of those people that I expected Wes to have a movie coming out every like six months. It was just one of those guys that it's just, and I, I just, I, I wonder though, with drawing the parallel between film noir and all these things all the way back, um, is there anything specific you've seen recently with film noir that's really grabbed you that you've kind of touched on it a second ago that said, oh, this feels very, um, of its, of, it could be relevant to today at this point, anything you've come across recently? Well, in a funny way, my answer is that we've seen so many that we've, I, I've lost track of the titles. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're classic ones like Laura and, and, and on it goes, but, uh, there's, it's, it's really the B ones that are so remarkable and, um, I don't know. There's one called Hitchhiker, maybe, but uh, oh, they're directed by a woman. It's um, there was God, I just picked that up. Um, it's in a box set that um was put out that has four of her movies in it, right? I believe her cool. Ida that's, something, right? That's exactly right. Good for you, man. Uh, <laughs> a true, a true film buff. Good for you. Um, anyway, that's just it. Just feels contemporary. I mean, it's guys on the road. Um, anyway, so. And then there's another one. It was actually directed by an actor. You see, for all my love of cinema, I'm terrible with names, but um, this movie was all first person, the whole movie. I mean, we've all seen that. Yeah, the period. It's by William Powell or somebody. Anyway, it's bananas. It's almost exhausting, but it's just fun to see such insanity on the screen, you know, and uh, and of course, every now and again, he pans over to the mirror and, you know, the actor had to jump in and yeah. It's just a delight of craftsmanship, uh, slightly misguided insanity, and complete commitment to the to the agenda. So well, I, I'm not I'm not surprised that the it takes this turn. This is I'm, I doubt you'd remember it. You do so many of these, but the last time we spoke, um, we ended up having a digression for about 15 minutes about Hal Ashby movies. So I, I, this is just kind of what I've come to expect anytime I get to speak to you, that it'll be, okay, we'll talk about the thing at hand for a second, then we can actually just bullshit about this other stuff that we've been watching recently. And of course, I'm always happy to talk about Hal Ashby. God. Well, I, I hadn't seen um, the, oh God, I'm spacing the name again. I did this last time. I should have had the follow-up to Last Detail that Linkletter did. Oh, yeah. I hadn't seen that at the time. And so I went back after we talked and watched that. That yeah. was, thank you for closing that loop for me. Cause that's something I never would have drawn the connection between the two of them as a filmmaker outside of, of filmmakers outside of that project. But there's actually a lot of parallels, I think, between their styles. So thank you for that. Well, uh, that's wonderful to be reminded of, of all of that conversation. And of course the link letter movie, which I had a great fondness for mostly because it was, just an adult drama. Nobody makes those anymore. You got to actually love Linkletter. Um, uh, but I thought that had many pleasures and really committed performances. It was a bit wordy and I don't know if it hit a hundred percent, but it was a real pleasure to watch all those people very committed to their, 
to their performances. And um, uh, now as for Linkletter, I just have to bring up School of Rock. Now there's a picture. I just watched it recently again. And I was like, oh my God, this is a masterpiece. I, okay. Thank you. I'm so glad you say that. I've, I'm, I have an ongoing argument with somebody. <laughs> I think that's one of his finest films. That movie brings out, I cry at the end of that movie every time. Um, I, I'm just, I, I know it's not that it's probably not supposed to work like that, but you put a bunch of kids doing music together, overcoming the outsider, all those things. It just hits so many notes for me perfectly that, that I, I just it, think that thing works. It's, it's just fantastic. And the commitment of, uh, of Jack Black, the performance, I mean, seven minute takes where he's shredding in front of the audience and he's got these goofy pants on and it's just like his whole thing is just so uh, wonderful. And, you know, it's not over the top. It's completely, he's absolutely immersed in this character. Uh, it's, it's as good as the Joker performance from Heath Ledger. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a, and it's a lot more screen time, which is a lot more work. Anyway, it's a delightful movie and all the way to the credits, you know, where he's like, we're doing the credits. <laughs> it's too good. Anyway, I, I love Linkletter. He is sort of an unsung hero. You know, there's all this moaning and groaning. Well, at least from me and maybe Martin Scorsese about the Avengers movies and everything. But there's Linkletter continuing to make adult, thoughtful films. Yep. He's dealing with one of the essential elements of cinema, which is the idea of time. He did it with Boyhood. He did it with the Sunrise movies. Uh, he's just, and yet, oh, his other Jack Black movie, you must have seen it, uh, Benny. Uh, the Texas one. Um, yeah, with funny. the, God, why can't, Barry, right? Barry, Benny, yeah, whatever it Benny, is. Benny, 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 yes, that's oh, it. You're right. A wonderful, off-kilter, weird portrait of a of, of a person and a, actually a subtle performance from Jack Black, which is a, a, an incredible accomplishment in its own right. <laughs> all, all so delightful. But I think we digress from dash cam and horror. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Well, I, it, but I will, there's certain people that it's, see if I can pull this back together. It's, um, he's one of the, you were talking about this idea that horror has become kind of cookie cutter and there's this the punk rock kid inside me still wants you know nobody to know about necessarily the things that i love because it feels like you didn't love me therefore you can't love the things that i love it's that outsider but i still want people to be able to go to college i want people to support their kids and it, it's okay if you make money on it as long as the art holds up you can make that with i mean Linkletter has done that multiple times now within the studio system with outside of the studio system. And so something like school of rock, something like Benny. And so, and I think that you've worked all up and down those as well. And something like Dashcam, while outside of that system, I think absolutely is something that could work outside of genre fans. This is something that, you know, I could show my Fox News loving dad and I think he would actually get something out of this film. Well, that's true. And this is essential because we I mean, unfortunately, uh, it's it's often lost that we're all in this together and we're all suffering from the same kinds of problems like the, you know, the the random video that depicts one thing and then you have to decipher what really happened in the video. That's something both sides of the aisle can understand. It's actually I think a great crime of, of contemporary media that it insists on finding a divisive uh, angle on every, every topic, because the truth is, is most of us 
agree in general. And, and in a way, I'm complaining now that they have to manufacture outrage to keep us engaged, which is the fault of, of us for, you know, responding to outrage. But as we all know, if we're being trained that way through our, the algorithms and all the usual conversation about Facebook and stuff, well, it, it, it's going to wear down the common man who's mostly concerned about their paycheck, but then every now and then checking in and getting um, misled by, uh, by the media, not on both sides, which is to say everything's equal, but on all sides, because everybody, you know, the media is just trying to make a buck. So it's all a big shit show. And, and let's hope for uh, movies that can uh, not take a side politically, but that can show us our shared dilemma and, and give us a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of enlightenment about where we are. You know, I, I think that's how you, you have, that's how you, I don't know, you incite change. It's not by lecturing. It's not by getting up on a soapbox and yeah. talking at the people that are already on board with you. You have to bring people in and you have yeah. to engage with people and you don't engage with them by preaching. So I think that films like this are, they're very helpful and incredibly necessary. And thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for taking the time today, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, for sure, dude. It's always a pleasure. Well, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to our uh, our next 15-minute digression about uh, whatever we're watching at that time. So thanks, Larry. All right, dude. Take care. Take care, man. All right, bye-bye. Sorry, my thing is beeping. Whatever. No, no, you're okay. I thought it was like exactly at a half hour. So I'm like, shit, he's on a tight schedule. It's just going. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks, it's just uh, my mother. <laughs> okay. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
always crack.